You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. This morning we spoke about David and how that David really all through life, whether it was a javelin coming at him or a wife that was being disloyal to him and eyed him and really caused trouble in his heart, or whether it was Saul who was hunting him, or, or 3,000 men that hunted him, or whether it was the betrayal of some of his great trusted friends, Ahithophel and others, and whether it was a son who tried to kill his own dad, just a life full of sorrow. But he stayed in the battle. And I, I admire so much, and, and I admire the fact that David lost, 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 and he won. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, tonight I want to introduce to you David in chapter number 19, and uh, not necessarily picking up where we left off, but I do want you to see some things tonight. I'm ashamed to have to admit this to you, what I'm going to say. And I think as the Lord has convicted me over the last many years over this, I, I hope I've served God with a true heart. But I've always claimed Proverbs 22, 1. A good name is rather be chosen than great riches in silver and gold. A good name. And for some reason, the Lord's convicted me. I envisioned getting old and dying and having a good name. I think that may have just been nothing but pride. I've never had a desire to have a, a street or a building or anything named after me. But I don't know in this era in which we can live, I don't know if people will allow you to live and die with a good name. People trash one another, and, and it gets traction whether it's true or not. And I've had to evaluate where I really, really, really want a good name. And I do want a good name. But I want a good name for God. I, I hope that's true. I don't know my own heart. But I hope that's true. I hope that I can give to God a good name. Do you know that George Washington, December the 11th, uh, he will have been dead for 222 years. George Washington had a good name. In fact, uh, in, when I grew up, uh, you had George Washington's picture on this side of the classroom and Abraham Lincoln by the chalkboard on this side, on the blackboards. The picture's on both sides. And, and that name, George Washington, is now not a good name. I graduated from Washington High School just a few miles from here and I'm wondering when they're going to take it down. They took down Brother Andy Gong. You graduated from Washington High School in San Francisco and they removed the name. 
They said George Washington uh, was a terrible person. And his name has been removed. And all over the country, Thomas and Jefferson's name is being removed. And, and soldiers and generals and names are being brought down because how bad these people were. 222 years ago, George Washington died. The father of our country. We're not even allowed the father of our country to have a name on a school. I wonder, is it possible with man to have a good name? I would hope that with my family I have a good name. I would hope that with my God I would have a good name. I'd like to have a good name left in this church. David, I want to introduce you to David, and I want you to see his good name. David did have a good name. He had a heart after God. Yes, I know he was flawed by sin. David even said in Psalm 51, my sin is ever before me. I can't get rid of it. It's just there. David had great disappointment with himself. But he also demonstrated great character. Tonight I want to speak to you on the subject, the character of a great man, a great lady, a great teenager, a great person. I find that David had a great love for his family. That's good character. Your family may betray you. They may hurt you. They may wound you. They may they, they, they cast you out. They may have nothing to do with you. But the truth is, you ought to have, a, you ought to have good character, a love for your family. David's son is hunting him. David's son is ready to kill his own dad. And the Bible says in chapter 18, we began, we began in 19, back up to 18, and verse 33. And the king was much moved. And he went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he wept, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, when God had died for the old Absalom, my son, my son, verse number four of chapter 19, when the king covered his face, the king cried with a loud voice, oh, my son, Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Here's a boy that broke his dad's heart. I'd love to be where you are getting started in this thing and getting started in this era. What a time, what a time to have a church. What a time to provide something like we've seen tonight. This whole Silicon Valley is so depressed and so discouraged and the state of California and our nation and the world so discouraged and depressed and it seems like they're ratcheting up all these regulations and things. So, but you come to church, oh, that will be glory for me. I tell you what, I, I, I was blessed tonight. All the specials and all the music and the choir and the singing and the shelter in the arms of God. And th oh, I tell you, I'm going to a city where the roses never fade. I know we sang the other one, but thank God for that. Oh, you're going to the ministry a great time. But you're going to deal with people that are just broken hearted. May I say tonight that one of the great characteristics of a man of godly character with a good name 
He loves his family. He loves his family. I was pondering this week. The many people I've laid to rest through these 46 years. And we generally sing as the casket is being lowered, there's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we can see it afar, for the Father waits over the way. And for the first time, so many times I've seen a son show up at his mother or dad's funeral. Or a grandchild. I've seen all sorts of things. I've watched people cry. I've watched a man in the old auditorium reach into the casket and pull to his mother. I can take her right to her grave. She's been laid there for about 40 years now. And he pulled her out. Oh, mom! Mom, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mother, I'm sorry. 60-year-old man, sorry. You know, that mother I knew so very well, she loved that son and prayed for that son, though he would not talk to his mother. I wonder tonight who's watching or in this room, you're at odds with your sister. You haven't talked to your sister in years. You're at odds with your brother. You're at odds with your parents, your grandparents. You're at odds with some relative, your in-laws. Life is too short. And it, by the way, when we're at odds with one another, when we're wrong this way, don't expect to get answers this way. It's like, it's like bouncing prayers off the ceiling. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. Nothing between my soul and my Savior. Well, if there's something between here, there's something wrong here. We need a great dose of revival in our churches today where we get right with our family and get right with one another and our church family and right with God's people. I, I, I'm not as popular and famous as other preachers that have more context than I do. But I tell you what, during COVID, it has been every week so regular. Preachers that call, I think of the preachers in the last 30 days, I've talked to many, more than one, that many of them are just weeping on the, uh, literally weeping on the other end of the phone and said, Brother Trevor, I didn't expect it was going to happen like this. I didn't expect, and it seems like betrayal and hurt and members that are upset and quitting and trying to, uh, insurrection. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on in our churches? Good character says you have a love for your family. Good character, I want you to see secondly tonight, has, a, has secondly a, a loyalty to those that are disloyal to you. Here is a good example. He says, oh, my son, my son. His son was, was a disloyal betrayer, betrayed his dad. His son was wrong. But not only that, so was Saul disloyal to him. So was Shimei disloyal to him. So was Sheba, Sheba disloyal to him, who swore at him and cussed him. So was Ahithophel 
Bathsheba's grandfather who was so disloyal to David, David and harbored and harbored and harbored and went for years and years and years. And when he finally had an opportunity, he took advantage and said, here's how you kill David. And Hushai was disloyal. And yet David was loyal. I'm not going to labor this, but I tell you, I wish I could. I see such absence of loyalty. Just such absence of loyalty. Don't get drawn in. I, I, don't, I don't care. It's your work. It's your job. It's, it's your country. It's, what, uh, it's your church. Don't get drawn into all this social media disloyalty. And yet, here in the Word of God, we have a boy that's disloyal, and all the friends around him are disloyal. But great, great men have great loyalty. Great women have great loyalty. They keep their mouths shut, and they do right, and they love people that have hurt them. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Those that despise you and ridicule you and hurt you. Our Lord, the last word he called Judas as he came and they had the staves and they had the swords and he had, his, his, he had it all and he kissed Jesus. The last thing Jesus said to him was friend. Friend. The last thing other than saying it is finished, he says from the cross, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do, these enemies. The very people that he helped to create as God Almighty, he is God, he created man. Yet they crucified him. They said, Father, forgive them. Who is it tonight that's been so disloyal and hurtful to you, so arrogant, so self-willed, so insensitive? God says that my job is to be loyal, though they might be disloyal. My mind is racing, and I won't bring you any illustration of so many I've seen where you have been, people have been disloyal to you, and it hurts me so much to think of it. Great characteristics, there's a love for family, a love for people. There's a loyalty for people. And then I find that he led people when he had no strength to lead. Would you go in your Bibles to chapter 19? In chapter 19, he's crying out for his son, and he's just overwhelmed with grief. Verse 5, Joab came unto the house of the king and said, Thou hast shamed, he's talking to the king now, Thou hast shamed the day the faces of all thy servants, which this day have saved thy life, and the lives of thy sons and thy daughters, and the lives of thy wives, and the lives of thy concubines. And, and a, a, a dear friend in his ministry, Joab says, you shame the people that are on your side. You're shaming them. And bewildered, David must think, what, what are you talking about? My son's dead. And that, here's what he says. Thou lovest thine enemies and hatest thy friends. We're here for you, and you're weeping over this kid, a rebellious kid, you, 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 David, what are you thinking? 
For thou hast declared this day that thou regardest neither the prince nor the servants. For this day I perceive that if Absalom had lived, or we had died this day, then it would have pleased thee well. You, I don't have to explain that. You see what he's saying. Verse number 7, Job says, Now therefore arise, go speak comfortably unto thy servants. By the way, he's a good man trying to help the king. For I swear unto the Lord, if thou not go forth, there will not carry one of these this night. And that it will be worse unto thee than all the evil that befell thee from, the youth, from thy youth until now. I love verse 8. I love it. You know, leaders, they have to lead when they have no strength. Then the king arose and sat in the gate. When someone sits in the gate, what is that? That is a political position he assumes. He was the king. He had still a job to do. His heart was broken. His heart was shattered. And he sat in the gate. And they told all the people, saying, Behold, the king sat in the gate. And all the people came before the king. For Israel had fled every man to his tent. You know, when you have no strength to lead, you have to lead. A leader may have private grief, but you must not magnify your private grief publicly. You have to be very careful. Private griefs may not, must not stop, please, private grief must not stop public responsibilities. Now, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're, Loved one dies. Okay, they've been dead two minutes now. Let's go on. No, that's going to surface later in life. You, you've not grieved properly. You must grieve properly. But when your life begins to spin from the grief of life, the betrayal of your son, the betrayal of your daughter, the, the relative that's hurt you and anguish has caused you. I'm not suggesting you cannot pray through the night. I'm not suggesting you cannot weep through the night. I'm not suggesting you cannot fast. But you cannot spend your public life from your private life. And David said, I'm grieving. My heart is so sad. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Oh, my son, Absalom. My son, my son. Wouldn't you God undying for thee? Yes. He was grieving, and even publicly. But responsibility still came. There's some responsibility you have when you're grieving. Sing in the choir. When you have no voice to sing, sing in the choir. When you have no voice, or when you have no air to blow those instruments, Keep blowing the instruments. When you have no ability to move the strings, keep running the strings. When you have no ability to stand up and your heart is so shattered and you take the Bible and teach the class and you say, you know, I think I ought to just resign the class. My life is so broken. My life is so hurt. My life is full, full of just nothing but grief. I cannot go on. You have to go on. 
You must preach when you don't feel like it. You must sing when you don't feel like it. You must read your Bible when you don't feel like it. We must pray when we don't feel like it. We must tithe when we don't feel like it. We need to get a songbook and sing when we don't feel like it. Child of God, there's coming days when you won't feel like doing anything. But character says, I'm still going to do my task. I'll still have a responsibility. I think I'll close. I have more points, but I think I'll close with this. Go to chapter 23, please. In chapter 23, and as you go there, I'll tie this shoe. I don't know how I untie these shoes all the time, but I do. My goodness gracious. Not only does David's character show through that he loved his family and he was loyal to those that were disloyal and he, he led, though he was a broken-hearted man. He never stopped his public responsibilities. And I could talk about loving the enemies more in a different way. But I want you to see that leaders often come to the end in chapter 23 and they're lonely. You wonder how this man that pastored 7,000, 8,000 people, 12,000 people. You wonder how he could go to bed at night lonely. Oh, very easy. You see, but everybody loves him. It doesn't work that way. David's now at the end. He's going to die. And looking back over his life, he sees so much disappointment. His own failure. His children's failures. His friends, their failures. He looks back over his ministry. And he talks to us these last words. These be the last words of David. I don't know, there's a lot of pastors in here. Pastor Bertram and Pastor Smith and Pastor Nikolai and Pastor Cooper and on and on, all these pastors. Perhaps you can think back as I speak about being in the presence of the last words of somebody that you're going to bury in just a few days. I can think of people that have said things to me in the last moments, the very last moments of their life. I think of the times where families have looked at me and they said, are, are, are they still are they still here? Are they still with us? And there have been times I've said we better call the doctor in. She, he, they passed away. David said, I want to give you some last words. I'm going to die. This is it. Here's the words I want to leave to you. This was the David, the son of Jesse. Went back all the way to, he went all the way back to his dad. And the man who raised up on high the anointed of God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel, this is what he said. The Spirit of the Lord spake unto me. His word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me. And he says, here's the qualification for leadership. He that ruleth over men must be just. 
I imagine David's pondering. I can see where I've not been just. I wasn't just with Uriah. I wasn't just with Joab that took Uriah to the battle and then pulled the men back so he could die. I, I, I failed there. Ruling in the fear of God. I wonder if David was saying, well, I'm thinking about right now 1 Samuel. Uh, I'm thinking of 1 Samuel 27. Where in chapter 17 he killed Goliath in chapter 27, he said in his heart that I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And in chapter 27, he joins the people he defeated in chapter 17. I wonder if he's saying, I, I've not been just. I've not been a, a good leader. Look what else he says about a leader. He shall be like the light of the morning when the sun riseth. I love to see that sun rise in the morning. It's a fresh new day. And David was perhaps thinking, I, I didn't bring a fresh new day to many people. Even the morning without clouds, as a tender grass, free, grass springing up out of the earth by clear shining after rain. And then here's how, why I'm saying all this. Although my house be not so with God. My house failed. My, my house wasn't good. My house was a mess. My marriage was a mess. My kids were a mess. My ministry was a mess because everybody who was around me, everyone around David became disloyal. But the thing I like about David, his name is in Hebrews 11, he did finish. General MacArthur is a great study. He um, was born just a few years before my grandfather in 1880. He died in 1964. He uh, graduated from West Point and went into the military in 1899. He rose to the ranks through World War I and all the different battles and just was a tremendous, tremendous man. In 1937, he resigned after 38 years in the military. We're now in World War II, and in 19, getting ready, in 42, getting ready for the war in 41, the, the president called him up and reinstated him and said, we need you. And he served another 10 years. To April the 11th, 1951, the Filipinos that are here know about General MacArthur because he said, I'm coming back. Truman, the president, made him leave, but he said, I'm coming back to liberate you. And you ask any Filipino, they know a lot about General MacArthur, Douglas MacArthur, because he did what he said. 
Now Truman is the president, and Truman was in 1949 elected, 50, uh, 50 and 51, he was in his office, and, and in, in 52 things began to come apart, and he said, uh, uh, he, he, he said I, 51, he said, I, I don't want you anymore. I want you out of here. And he dethroned General MacArthur. I said 51, it was 47. MacArthur was relieved of his duties, really in shame. And now he stands before Congress, April the 11th, 1951. And he says this, with Truman right behind him. I've been there where the speaker speaks. I've been right there at that, at that podium where you have the, the uh, annual State of the Union address, and the president's there, and the House of Representatives is there, and, and the, it's, it's just an exhilarating thing in D.C. And President Truman, who fired him, is there. He said, Mr. Speaker, he said, Mr. President, Mr. Speaker, and distinguished guests, I stand here at this rostrum with great humility and your great pride. In the wake of those great American architects that have stood here before me, he says, as I address you tonight, there is no rancor or bitterness in my heart. You know, I don't think David had bitterness with people. I think David had distress with himself. I don't know what it is, and I know you're going to try to correct me on it, but I, I don't have any distress with anybody. And it just seems like it just keeps coming. And I wonder what phone call is going to be this week. Or what, it just keeps coming all the time. I, I have no distress. You know who my distress is? And I think maybe COVID revealed it to me more than ever. My distress is with Jack Creeper. I get so weary of him. He begins to speak, and he speaks about, you think I'm a warmonger, yet nothing could be further from the truth. Though, and he begins to speak about communism and red China. He said, they're going to invade us, and they're going to destroy us. And he said, if we don't learn to stand up against these enemies, Armageddon will be at our door. The basic problem is, is theology. It involves a spiritual decision. And I said all these developments of the last 2,000 years are going to be destroyed if we don't basically wake up. He then said something that I began to claim about three years ago. And I read to you what he said. I'm closing my 52 years of military service. This is not what I'm saying, but when I joined the Army, even before the turn of the century, it was a fulfillment of all my boyish dreams and hopes. The world is turned over many times since I took my oath on the plane of West Point 
and the hopes and the dreams have long since vanished. But I still remember that refrain from the Barrack Ballads. As they sang proudly, old soldiers never die. They just fade away. And like that old soldier of the ballad, I now close my military career and just fade away. An old soldier who tried to do his duty as God gave him the light to see that duty. Goodbye. I don't know if anybody's going to ever lodge your name. You might have a public name that people tried to tear down and discourage and defeat and abuse. I think David came to this point. He said, I can't change all these things that I've done that's wrong and others have done to me. But I can have good character. Although it be not so with my home, my family, I'm going to finish well. I'm coming to you tonight. If there's ever a moment in world history we need Christians to finish well, it's today. I don't know what they're going to say about you. You're a religious nut. You're a kook. You're weird. You're strange. You have to be outlawed. You're bad people. Who'd ever think they'd think this? But it's not so much what people think what he knows. Let's stand together, please. Our Father, I want a good testimony. I really have no desire to have any fanfare. And I'm not humble. I know I'm proud and arrogant and self-willed. The flesh is so weak. In my flesh it dwells no good thing. I know that. Tonight I want you to pray for good character. Teenagers, you cannot make mistakes, please. Don't hinge your life from the stupidity of foolish, youthful sins. Don't do that. Determine, determine to do right. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.